Okay, well, thanks everybody for coming. And uh, welcome to STG 214, uh, introducing AWS Snowmobile and AWS Snowmobile Edge. Uh, it's nice to see all of you. My name is Colin Legere. I'm the GM for AWS Glacier, or Amazon Glacier, AWS Snowball, and AWS Snowmobile. And presenting with me today is Jay Littlepage, the VP of Infrastructure and Operations at Digital Globe, and Rich Rodolfo, who is a Senior Director of Operations at Philips. So the really key and fundamental reason why we've done a, a series of launches in this space is that migrating large-scale data turns out to be an incredibly challenging problem. And we, you know, in my, in my work as the GM of Glacier in particular, and talking to customers who are trying to get data into Glacier and into S3, uh, this has been a recurring theme for, for many, many years for us. We'll talk to customers, and it ends up being a conversation not so much about what they're going to do when they're actually in the storage service that they're aiming to move to, but how the heck they get there. And you run into all sorts of problems when you try to do this at scale. So everything from the speed and cost of the transfer, particularly if you're going over the network, uh, people tend to do the calculation for how long it's going to take and what it's going to cost to get from A to B, and then just look at that and basically decide that it's just not feasible to, to go over the network. Once you're sort of over the point where you don't think you can go over a network, you run into all sorts of interesting problems of, okay, how else could I do it? And, and typically you would go to maybe a shipping model where you're trying to ship bytes around, but then you immediately get into all sorts of problems of logistics and security. How are you going to get that much data from A to B? And so we sort of took that as a big challenge uh, in my space and in the overall storage space for many years is how do we actually you know, help customers get data from A to B? And this is what led us last year to launch the AWS Snowball offering. And so Snowball, uh, the first version of the Snowball, uh, which we launched last year at reInvent, was really going after the, this problem of how do we ship data from A to B. And by shipping it, you really solve that, that first, those first two big problems of speed and cost. And then what we went after was, okay, well, how do we handle the logistics and the security aspects of the problem? And so what we decided to do there was, okay, we, we decided to take uh, the Snowball, the device itself, turn it to its own case, give it its own smart label to really solve the problems of how you're getting the data from A to B, how you're making sure that it's sort of being tracked and, and kept and, and sort of watched as it's being moved. We added really uh, strong encryption end-to-end -end through the process, so we knew that if the data was ever intercepted or a device was lost or anything like that, that that was non-issue and nobody could get at your data. And then we packed as much uh, storage and network as we could in a size and form factor that a single human could still lift and that you could actually plug into standard wall power. And that was what we launched last year. And just to give a, an overview of exactly how that works for, for folks who haven't seen it before, uh, it, the essential workflow looks like this. You'd go to our console, uh, you'd create a job, tell us an address to ship the snowball to. We would then ship the snowball to whatever address you told us. You plug it into your local power and network. Uh, you then have a high throughput connection to that 50 terabyte device. You'd load it up with data. Once it's filled, you unplug that. Our label automatically pops up on the e-ink label, and then you'd ship it back to us for high-speed ingest at our region. And that's been a really exciting first year for, for Snowball. I've got to say we're really gratified and excited to see just how much it's been uh, in use. We've shipped many, many petty, petabytes of customers' uh, data. Uh, we've shut down data centers for customers, and it's been really, really exciting to see the uptake. We've shipped Snowballs uh, such that uh, the, the equivalent of uh, snowmobiles have traveled 100 times around the world. Uh, we've also launched uh, quite a few features over the year. So we, we launched about mid-year a larger device, larger version of the, of the original Snowball device that's 80 terabytes. Uh, we've expanded our worldwide uh, region availability and continue to expand to all of our regions. Uh, we added HIPAA compliance uh, for the healthcare industry. And then we did a number of client updates, including some, some really interesting ones. One of the things that always happens 
as you launch a new service like this is you launch it and then within a few days or weeks you realize, ah, this is what people are actually doing with it. And one of the big fun surprises for us was uh, the number of people who wanted to move Hadoop workloads. And so one of the things we did in the client was add things like HDFS integration to sort of more to easily move those. Uh, but the one of the other really interesting things that happened was we started to get sort of larger scale themes of what people were looking for. And one of the really interesting bits of feedback that we got was from a set of very, very large customers. And this was sort of an interesting set of folks to talk to, because essentially what they did, they came to us and they said, wow, so with the launch of Snowball, you've moved from a world where uh, me trying to migrate my data set was completely infeasible to now it's feasible but difficult. You know, what can you do for me? How, how would that look, work, look like a work? And really the issue there was sheer scale. So Snowball was designed to be able to move uh, terabytes to, to petabytes of data. But what happens if you have 10 petabytes, 100 petabytes, and exabyte? It turns out that a lot of those logistical complexities that existed in the world pre-Snowball for smaller data sets still exist in that larger data set world. So if you sort of think about trying to move 100 petabytes over the course of uh, you know, a period of time with 10 par parallel Snowballs, what you end up getting into is, uh, you know, with a one-week cycle time, about still a two-and-a-half-year move process. Right, so still, you know, possible. Certainly went down from decades to years, but still wasn't quite there yet for these larger customers. Uh, and then the other thing that came up was just logistics, right? So you're having to deal with thousands of snowballs over the course of, of, a, of an individual move. So, you know, especially if you're in a colo situation or something like that, getting all of that uh, gear and dealing with the human aspect of getting that sort of in and out of the data center became problematic. So this was essentially what mo motivated our launch uh, yesterday of Snowmobile. And so for those of, us, those of you who didn't see it, uh, Snowmobile is a purpose-built data truck uh, that can move up to 100 petabytes per job. Uh, it essentially takes the form of a 45-foot container. Uh, it's 68,000 pounds, uh, so we're very careful as we drive it, and uh, can move up to uh, 500 gigabits per second in and out of the snowball. Uh, the process is really similar for, for a snowmobile uh, to the process that you would find with a snowball. Uh, the only real critical difference is this site survey that happens at the beginning of the process. Given this is such a large uh, data movement, what we end up doing is, as a first step, we'll engage with you, uh, find out what the, your motivations are in the migration process, uh, you know, work out logistics like where are we actually going to be parking the truck, do you need uh, us to bring a generator along for the truck, do you have any sort of needs around security over and above the base level of security we provide, basically work out a lot of the details with that. Also things like figuring out what your source data is. A lot of the cases of the fill time of the truck is going to be really bound by the time you can actually, you know, from the source that, the, that you can actually send data, how quickly you can do that. So once we've done that site survey, the process is very similar. We dispatch the truck to your location, you fill it up. Once it's full, we bring it back to our location and then in high-speed ingest, uh, uh, ingest into S3. So to talk a little bit more about that, I I'd like to welcome to the stage Jay Littlepage to share his experiences with both Snowball and Snowmobile. Well, I, I heard the laughter in the audience uh, at the keynote yesterday when people saw Andy with that picture saying, hmm, is this really happening? Is this real? And then the, the truck showed up. So, so I'm, I'm happy to be here to help you understand what dealing with the first real thing was like. Um, but to, do, to step back from that, I want to help you understand why this was really important to us. So I want, want you to uh, imagine for a moment that you're a photographer and you're setting up your shot, but the sunrise here isn't your subject matter and your camera isn't on a tripod, 
and it's as big as the snowmobile itself. And you have about 12 minutes of contact time to be able to set up your shot, and it's orbiting 400 miles above you. So if you take that camera and you point it at this hotel, uh, when you snap the shutter, your camera is actually going to be 1,200 miles away over the Pacific Ocean. And sometimes your task is to map the surface of the Earth with shots like this. But other times, it actually becomes really important and really vital. And if you get the shot, lives are saved. So the two smaller ships in this particular shot are slave ships. I know, in our century, slave ships. The Associated Press investigated how uh, men in the, sh shipping, in the fishing industry had been enslaved to catch the seafood that you and I might be buying in our supermarkets. And given an 800-mile or 800-square-kilometer search area, Digital Globe was able to break open that investigation with this particular shot from our Worldview 3 satellite of the two slave ships offloading their catch in the middle of the ocean onto a commercial vessel that then took that catch into market to be sold and packaged. So the Associated Press uh, won the Pulitzer Prize for Public Service for their efforts on this, and more importantly, 2,000 men who had, some of whom had been in captivity for decades, were freed. So this is the type of thing that drives us every day, and this is an example of how Digital Globe, we, we see a better world. But seeing a better world takes a lot of storage. The image that we just saw is an example of what we call data boulders from space. A single pan-sharpened orthorectified image might be 12 gigabytes. And we create thousands, capture thousands of, ima of images every day. Over 16 years, we've mapped over 12 billion square kilometers of the Earth's surface. And with our latest satellite, Worldview 4, coming online very early next year, we'll be mapping over a billion square kilometers each and every year. So our archive over that time has grown to 100 petabytes. And every year, we capture um, and create an additional 10 petabytes of imagery. So we've built a data management platform, um, diagrammed here, to optimize and trade off between the durability, the economics, and the accessibility of that imagery. The vast majority of the imagery um, currently is on tape, uh, because it's the cheapest possible storage medium for, for us. But despite the fact that it's on tape, we can deliver and have delivered 90% of our high priority archive orders in less than an hour. And last year, we uh, retrieved 44 million files from that, that archive process. So we've gotten really good at data management. But the fact remained that our entire archive, all that value, was pretty much locked away where customers couldn't access it. And further, as cloud became, you know, moved from being something new to something common to something expected, um, the compute power necessary to extract information from the imagery became really important. Um, and the data wasn't available for that um, either. Our global, uh, our geospatial big data platform, GBDX, was born and raised on AWS, but even that, even our own product, was not able to access the entire volume of our imagery built over 16 years. 
Uh, our big challenge has been that we're actually collecting more imagery from our constellation than we've been able to move to AWS through normal means. So last year when Bill Vass was on stage announcing Snowball, and I will admit that I actually thought that was uh, a prank, um, we, we, when, once I realized he was serious, I, I knew that this was something that would actually help us unlock our archive from the dungeon that it was in. And we quickly got to the point where we had a scale-out solution of, uh, of snowballs. And with that, we've done things like we've, we've moved the entire archive from Iconos, which was um, our fir first satellite and the first publicly available high-resolution imagery satellite. So we moved the entire archive with snowballs. We've moved large-scale mosaics of major metropolitan areas throughout the globe. And we've uh, used Snowball to move the imagery for SpaceNet um, on AWS. And some of you might have gone to Shai Hornoy's uh, talk earlier uh, in the week. Um, that imagery is freely available for use in basically training algorithms in uh, the use and ability to extract information from imagery, all with snowballs. And so we've taken this three-step approach to migrating not just our archive, but ultimately migrating our production operations to AWS. And stage one, using snowballs, we're actually replicating uh, data um, over into AWS while our entire archive and our production processing remains on premise. We've extended our data management platform to manage this data, which is in a VPC, accessible only to us, only to our services um, at this time. And in this stage, we're essentially still an NFS-based, file-based um, uh, shop and access protocol, even though we're um, writing on object-based storage. So like Colin said, uh, the Snowball's been a great solution. It's, uh, it'll continue to be a workhorse for us for a long time as we continue to capture more and more imagery. But for us, it really is and has been a terabyte scale um, solution to a petabyte scale problem. And really important for us is that it can't load directly into a glacier vault. And just because of the nature of world events, we don't actually know what in that, arc, that 100 petabyte archive is going to be interesting, nor when. And so it's, it's, it's increasingly important for us as we move into the cloud for it to be on the cheapest possible storage tier. So um, not being able to load directly into that has been not only um, more work, but also more cost for us, which uh, adds up at scale. So, so we needed a bigger snowball. Um, and one that was actually uh, big enough that not only did you get to see it drive into the auditorium, but uh, you can actually see it from space. That's it sitting up there in the, in the corner at our campus. Um, you know, this is, this is purpose-built solution for exactly what we need. Um, we're not exabyte scale yet, but we're on our way. Um, and this is going to allow us to increase the velocity of the data that we're moving onto AWS. So in our second stage, we're using Snowmobile to push our entire archive in compressed form directly into the Glacier Vault, and we're moving it into a second VPC, and we're moving it into a separate region. Um, we're signing and hashing the information before it goes under the truck, and then Amazon is actually also encrypting and signing and hashing. So there's a lot of verification of the data, not only verifying the security, like Colin talked about, but verifying the integrity of the data after it's been transferred over. Um, so um, when we're done, we're actually going to have our entire archive over. We're going to retire our commercial tape libraries, which is something that all of us are really looking forward to because 
they break, don't they? Um, so it's been a good solution so far. It's, it's helping us out. We've learned a few lessons that um, future customers of the snowmobile will be able to take advantage uh, of. Um, the first of, first of which is, as much as our, our guy Steve here might have hoped, it's, it's not actually a plug-and-play solution. Um, the, the key for us is, you know, and the, for you, is that you're, you're literally adding a data center to your network and to your facilities and to your security, and you need to treat it as such. Um, for us, because we're an NFS-based uh, installation with our legacy systems um, and the snowmobile is effectively S3, there's a lot of translation that has to happen with that, um, that, that data as it moves forward. And we've had to do a lot of work to tune the transfer for those data boulders from space, which are you know, possibly unique to us. And I guess the key here is that every customer is going to be slightly different and is going to have a different shape of their data that they're loading. And so it's really important to pre-plan, to understand your data um, really well and then pre-plan with AWS. So before the truck arrives, not only have you done a site survey, you've done a data survey, if you will. So when we're done with this process uh, next year, our archive will be over um, in AWS. We'll have um, moved on to um, object-based access for our image library. It'll be one more step towards ultimately closing down our physical data centers. Um, and we'll use AWS lifecycle manage, object lifecycle management with our tipping and queuing algorithms that we already use to be able to move the data um, from tier to tier, both up and down, um, depending upon what's going on on the planet. And with that archive in place, a lot of the analytics that are becoming um, as important, if not more important than the imagery, will be available to our customers and to our partners um, at, at scale. Uh, it's going to really help us understand the pace and the pattern of changes that are happening in the world um, rapidly uh, at a scale that we simply wouldn't be able to support um, internally. So this has been something that's been really important to us, and I'm uh, grateful that AWS not only had the skills to pull us off, but had the audacity to even think about the idea. It's a real solution for a real problem that a lot of customers have. So with that, turn it over to Colin again. Thanks, Jay. And I'd just like to thank Digital Globe uh, in general, and Jay in particular. Uh, they've been a wonderful partner um, working with us on the early versions of both Snowball and Snowmobile, and have given us tons of great feedback and, and help with that. So I'd like to talk next about the next big thing that we learned after the launch of the original Snowball, which was essentially that there were a couple different challenges that, that folks were facing at the edge. And the one that we really had in our heads when we, when we originally came up with the idea of doing Snowball was really what we think of as a, as a data migration challenge. And in a data migration challenge, what you have is you have a huge pile of data sitting in location A, and you need to move said pile to location B. And that's, there's a certain set of things you have to do to accomplish that, and it's, it's really kind of a complex problem, as we talked a little bit about before. But it turned out, uh, as we began talking to customers, there was a very large set of customers that not only had a data migration challenge or had a totally different challenge, they had really a data collection challenge. And that was, that was a bit of a different view into what needed to be done in the world here. So in this case, in a data collection case, you don't have a big pile of existing data you're trying to move. What you have is some source of data out there in the world that's generating data at volume 
that you then need to collect and do something with and then move. And it turns out that that's actually a really hard problem. And those customers were excited that we were helping us, that we were able to help them with the last few stages of that problem, the final move. But what they really wanted was something that could help them with that sort of end-to-end -end process. And looking at that, uh, blowing up that sort of collection process uh, a little bit more, uh, it turns out that they were doing this sort of workflow and had, had these sorts of things that they needed to do. The first thing they had to do is, from whatever was emitting all that data, that sort of source of that data, they needed first to have somewhere to durably store that in a safe way. So they need to sort of protect and store that data. So if you can imagine, you know, once you've actually sort of generated it, often it's like sensor data, something like this, like a one-time shot at actually getting that data, uh, and you can't lose it. So, right, so it can't be sort of beholden to like a single device or single point of failure. The next thing that they typically had to do was they had to access that data. Now, this could be in the form of a human wanting to get at it, look at it, do something with it, or it could actually be code, right? Something that needed to react in real time to what was going on or some other ancillary process that needed to make use of that data in the location or in near real time. And then finally, after it was there for a short period of time in that remote location, then they needed to move it from A to B and do that migration portion of the workflow. And so what these customers came to us with was, hey, this, this looks like it's like almost, you know, this, you know, if you just do this, you know, one or two things to Snowball, it could actually solve this end-to-end -end workflow for us. And so that was really what motivated us to build the Snowball Edge. So this here is the Snowball Edge on screen with me. And uh, just to take you through a couple of the features of the device, so essentially we did a number of things with it. The first thing that we did was, uh, based on customer feedback, we added a whole bunch of other hardware interfaces. So in addition to the 10 gigabit per second port that uh, Snowball has, we've added a 25 gigabit per second port and a 40 gigabit per second port for faster transfers. The other thing that we found was that uh, certain customers, especially in cases where we're doing things like trying to shut down data centers, uh, the client software that we used that did all the encryption and sent the data to the Snowball actually ended up being a bottleneck in the process. And so what we did was we were able to fold all of that functionality onto the Snowball itself have the Snowball securely perform all that cryptography for you, and then expose the Snowball via an NFS and an S3 endpoint, which did a number of really interesting things for allowing customers to be able to use simple tools like S3 SDK or CLI or just NFS-based tools. Uh, the next thing that we did was to go after the uh, clustering functionality, which basically allows you to get a number of Snowballs and cluster them together as a single durable storage pool. The idea being, again, that a single snowball can be destroyed or lost while you still actually have your data maintained. And then we added Greengrass integration uh, along with uh, the equivalent of an M4.4x large worth of compute so that people could go after those arbitrary compute use cases to help support their data collection processes. So let's put that together just to sort of frame that with a couple of use cases. So uh, in the case of uh, GE with their wind farms, uh, they'd be doing a flow that would work something like this. So You'd have a massive uh, wind farm. This is a, you know, this is a turbine that, you know, is the size of a skyscraper that is sending all sorts of sensor data. Now, in the base of this wind farm, you then have a number of snowballs, let's say three, four snowballs, where you're actually writing all the sensor data to. And then as that data is flowing into the snowball cluster, you have your lambda functions being triggered, which are looking for anomalies, firing off alarms, firing off control signals, doing anything that's needed to actually run that windmill in real time. Now, we're also then collecting all of that raw log data, all of that sensor data onto the snowball, and then periodically on, say, a monthly or a quarterly basis, they're then shipping back one or, one or more of those snowballs, having replacement snowball edges come in, and then basically having that larger data set get joined with the rest of the data set from the other thousand or so windmills uh, in S3 or in Glacier. Then they're able to use that overall data set to then periodically retrain and look for better ways to do anomaly detection or better ways to more efficiently operate the devices or operate the wind turbines and then they can push those models back out to the snow oil edges in the field.
another good example of that would be customers who are doing things like uh, film crews, right, where they're basically trying to capture large amounts of video, but it's not so much necessarily in that case a, uh, a machine interaction uh, where you need a Lambda function to examine the footage, but you might actually have a human who's going and looking at the footage on site, making sure they've got what they want before, again, shipping it off to, to us. So what we've really tried to do with Snowball Edge is turn it into a durable data collection tier where you can really extend the power of what we can do in many of our storage services out to the edge and provide a lot of functionality that was hitherto impossible or very hard to do uh, and very awkward to do. So to talk a little bit more about that and how they're planning to use it, I'd like to get Rich Rodolfo up here from Philips uh, to talk about their use case. Thank you. Thanks, Colin. Thanks. So, much along the lines of the story that Colin opened up with, uh, a lot of what we're doing today in hospitals involves collecting data real-time, continuously, doing some pre-processing, and then storing that data ultimately forever. Um, we've long ago started moving a lot of our static image data up to the cloud for a long-term archive, but we really wanted to take some of the advantages of working on a platform such as Amazon and extend it down into the hospital. But healthcare itself brings some pretty unique challenges. Um, well, there's similar challenges to things like financial and uh, other mission critical pieces with the one addition that there is life safety involved in almost all of the circumstances. So um, what I want to start with is just a quick view of what is Health Suite. I'll talk a little bit about where we think some of the challenges are unique in, in healthcare and then how Snowball fits into it. HealthSuite is a platform that we've built that's designed to provide compute, storage, analytics, and connectivity for healthcare and uh, healthcare-related businesses. Um, it encompasses every part of that IT space uh, challenge, including things like encryption, privacy, consent management. But when you really boil it down, it's a large amount of data that constantly comes in, and you need to store it forever and be able to analyze it. Um, as we look through what our customers are asking for, uh, it'll look familiar to a lot of you, but the scales are, are, are starting to become very, very large for us. Um, reliability, um, availability, serviceability, all have to get to a common goal of always up, always available. When a, some of our products fail, hospitals stop working. Literally, they shut down and they can't do anything. So we're always trying to get as close to 100% availability as possible, or at least fail to a mode where operations can continue. Performance. Performance has been something that, that you know, we've constantly reached a lower bar, or I should say a higher bar in performance, and as soon as we get there, the customers expect more. So 15 years ago, one of our products sold as, uh, with a commitment of delivering any image, regardless of size. It could be very, very small. It can be as large as two terabytes. It needs to be on screen. Think about x-rays, MRIs, things like that in three seconds or less. Fifteen years ago, that was an incredible, an incredible achievement. Um, now that we've gotten them used to it, they're used to about a second, a second of retrieval time. So when that goes to three seconds, suddenly that's completely unacceptable. So every time we get to a place where they're happy, that's, that becomes a new norm. The idea of moving some of this data to the cloud that is absolutely critical in the, in the ongoing function and have that add latency to that return time is problematic. It is a challenge. Connectivity is, is, is uh, probably the biggest challenge for us today um, in that 
the type of capacity in, in terms of bandwidth, the quality of that bandwidth, isn't universal yet, even in the U.S. And then the last thing is user perception and trust. That gets in the, that gets in the way a lot. There are some very long-held ideas about how you properly build systems in the healthcare space. Everything's got to be local. Everything's got to be multiple, multiple layers of redundancy. And if it's outside the control of the hospital IT, it can't be reliable. So the cloud is a terribly, terribly scary thing. So the mitigation for this has been having devices on-prem. Uh, that worked well for a while, but now we've got some facilities for one of our products where we have literally hundreds and hundreds of servers, and we add a new one every day. Every day we're slotting in a new server at one of, at one of the hospitals in Florida. And that's just not sustainable. When your customer is building a data center just for you to house equipment, uh, eventually they start to wonder when you're going to fix it for them. So you come back and say, I'm going to move this to the cloud, and they say, well, that can't happen either. So come up with something else that's magic. Um, just to kind of drill into the connectivity piece a little bit more, to give you an idea of where this challenge is in the U.S., 10% um, of all Americans, which is 34 million people, don't have access to broadband. 39% um, of rural Americans, which is 23 million people, have very little access to even low-speed internet connectivity today. If you look at where the hospitals are, the hospitals are where the people are, they have the same challenge. So when I have solutions that require a single scanner requiring a 10 gig con connection to its disk array today just to function, the idea of being able to support that hospital solely with the cloud is just unreasonable. And that's where Snowball really does fit into us. So we've been working with Amazon for quite a while. Um, ranging from what I call very patient collaboration to outright begging um, for something to help us get there. And we had a few requirements, and they're very, very easy. It's, uh, we needed survivability and severability. We need to be able to bring, pull the cloud down into the hospital, but if that connection is lost, our product has to keep functioning as if the cloud was still there. So if you think about authentication, you think about encryption, you think about access rights, all of those things still have to keep going using the same methods as before without any interruption. We need a universal code base. Uh, one, of the, one of the first things we ran into moving, moving into the cloud is refactoring of software so it works, it performs well in, uh, on Amazon's uh, offering. What I didn't want to do is have then a completely separate code base in the hospital. I want to, remain, re, um, I want to be able to maintain a single, a single set. End-to-end security, that seems pretty straightforward. Um, redundancy is key. Scalability, uh, as I said, some of these sites just keep growing. They grow because they, hospitals merge. They grow because their, their, uh, their volumes increase. They grow because Philip sells them a new scanner that triples the amount of uh, storage they need for every image. And then we need a single point of management. Um, these systems are highly integrated. They cover many facilities. They cover many customers. I don't want my support organization having to go to 15 different tools just to figure out why the, why the system is failing. So I want to talk about, for a few minutes, what we did, what we did with Snowball Edge and how this fits into the story overall. Um, we have a product called IntelliSpace Console Critical Care, which is kind of a mouthful. It's basically a solution that sits inside of an ICU, and it collects data from all the sensors, all the patient monitors, all the different systems that monitor uh, fluid output from patients. We won't get into what that means. Um, all the fluids and, and, and uh, uh, inputs that go into patients and tracks those data points real time. For an individual, individual patient, that's 1,200 data points per day. 
that feeds constantly into a decision engine that then goes and watches for, for uh, changes that indicate that the patient is either deteriorating or will deteriorate quickly in a short amount of time. For healthcare, this is a, this is a critical application. Um, ICUs today would not survive without the number of, uh, without some system to aggregate all of this data, filter it, and provide it to them in a contextually relevant fashion. So we've had this product for a while. This product is, sits today on a server, so a pair of servers, very, very expensive, highly redundant, and one for every ICU. Moving this onto Amazon is clearly a, a big jump for us. The idea that it's going to be housed thousands of miles away and there's a connection that could make it work is, is clearly not something that's going to function for us. And if this does fail, you know, the, the impact is pretty hard. It, can, it could hurt or, or ultimately result in a, patient, uh, in a patient dying. So we took this application, as I just described, um, that processes, computes, and predicts outcomes, and we put this on top of the snowball edge. And this required us to take a look at how we're actually collecting that data, how that data is broken down into consumable bits, the rate at which it comes in, and the ability to be able to process it at speed, at line speed. Um, and it's worked very well so far. Um, it allows us to do those real-time data transformations. It allows us to, serve, you know, to continue to operate if, uh, if the cloud connection fails. And it allows us to do it in a secure and, and uh, manageable way without having to have on-site staff to maintain this, without having to have uh, real-time con uh, connectivity to that box. Ultimately, what happens with this beyond the ICU product is this becomes the hub for all data inputs inside of a hospital. So we're talking today just about the ICU space. But there are telemetry systems throughout the hospital. There are imaging systems. There is an enormous amount of data that is just taking an increasing amount of space. And what we ultimately want to do is create a local cache, create a local processing engine that can handle a minimal amount of workload, do a lot of the pre-processing of data to, to reduce it where we can, to predict what we can on site, and then ship the majority up to the hospital. Eventually, we'll have to pull some of it down. We want to do that seamlessly. The Edgebox does that for us. And then continue to provide additional features and functionality that weren't available to us to, before because every bit of data was stored in a unique silo or a unique application. So this fits in well with it overall. Um, we've, we've only been working with this product for a very short time, but the, the, the possibilities here are just uh, endless for us. And I think now is uh, when we walk into, move into Q&A, which is where the real questions come. Thanks. Yep, just uh... Just uh, two, two quick bits of business before we get into Q&A. So getting started with uh, either Snowmobile or Snowmobile Edge is really uh, fairly straightforward. Just go to these two places and uh, you can get started today. And uh, a quick reminder uh, that we have office hours. So if you have any detailed questions, any sort of you know, longer uh, you know, explanations you need in any particular aspect of this, we're happy to cover that at the booth. And with that, we'll, we'll turn it over to uh, Q&A for any of the three of us. So there's a couple of mics floating around.